Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. We're doing this series uh, from the Gospel of Matthew where each week we're looking at a different story that takes place that refers to a king or a kingdom because Matthew is a gospel that was written to the Jews to try to say to them, the Messiah that you are waiting on, who's going who's gonna to kick the Romans out and establish the kingdom as God established, that's Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. And so Matthew chapter 16 is uh, uh, loaded with stories that talk about the king and the kingdom as it relates to planet Earth. Uh, yesterday I had a wedding here at the church and I was in and out of the office several times as we were getting ready to make all that happen. And uh, then when the wedding was over, we had a reception in the Unity Hall, and I was over there, and I had my piece of wedding cake. And as everybody was starting to filter out, I thought, good, I can go home, kick my feet up a little bit, review my notes uh, for tonight, because we had a Saturday night service. And I, I went to the office door and reached down to get my keys, and they weren't there. And I thought, oh, Lord, what did I do with my keys? I tried in my mentally. I was retracking my steps. Where was I the last time I had those keys? Well, I was going into the office. And now I don't have them. I know where they are. They're laying on my desk. And there was nothing I could do but just come in here and sit down and wait for 45 minutes till somebody came in for worship team practice. And I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself, thinking how dumb I was. Why did I do that again? And I thought, I thought to myself, why is this happening? God, you must have some kind of message you're trying to say to me that I can't get in there to get my keys. And just that fast, I remembered the theme of my message this weekend is the keys to the kingdom. Of course, it's an obvious introduction to my message that sometimes we get locked out, that sometimes we're bound up. There are times that we're to a, to a place where we can't move, we can't be free. There's something bound in us and we can't move on. Anybody ever felt that? There's some kind of a blockage there, something that just doesn't quite, it's not like it should be, and you can't break free. Jesus gave us some keys to the kingdom, and I want, to, want us to read this story here in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and by the way, that's way out in a remote region, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Fascinating bit of truth here, but we need to ask ourselves, what does this really mean? I mean, we understand the concept he's given us some keys, but if he's given us some keys, are they working? Are they working for you? So we need to talk about what we just read here, because this is a foundational scripture about the kingdom of God on the earth that he's trying to create. So I'm going to share with you with your outline that you have. The fill-in-the-blank outline has three, three things I want to say. But before we get there, let me share six things that I draw out of the story, the passage, to help us understand what he just said when he said, I'm going to give you the keys. Here's the first one. The kingdom on earth is called the church. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on this earth is the church, which is not the best interpretation as I'm going to share in just a minute. But notice he said, it's my church. He didn't say it's yours. He said it's mine, my church. The second thing that I want us to see is he, he says to Peter, once this is in response to Peter saying, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, a God who's alive, not some stone statue, but a God that interacts, a God that cares about us. He's living today. When he says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, it prompts a reaction out of Jesus that is recorded for us to benefit from. So we need to ask ourselves, what did he say? And Jesus said to that in response to his statement of faith, this wasn't your earthly father, your flesh father that revealed it to you. This was my father that revealed it to you. Do we, do we see the difference? Uh, there's certain things that we learn from our father and our mother, whether they're Good parents or not good parents are certain things we learn from them. But one thing nobody learns from your parents' experience with Christ. Uh, I mean, we do. We learn from there what they do. But God doesn't have any grandkids, you know. You must be born again. It's a spiritual, spiritual uh, awareness thing that has to happen. And it's not just going to church on Sunday morning. It's much deeper revelation than that that he's given us. The third thing we learn is the keys have to do with binding and loosing. That's a specific power these keys have. It's a specific kind of lock that they work in. Binding things on this earth with the power of God from heaven and loosing things on this earth with the power from heaven. I don't know how else to interpret what he said, 
But if he just said what it sounds like he said, we've got some growing to do because we need to figure out how to work these keys because we find ourselves in bound up positions and there's other situations that we need to bind. There's something going on that needs to be stopped. And these keys are spiritual keys. Number four, the fourth thing I want us to see is the Greek, the Greek letters that are in Peter. Let's put that slide up. English is Peter. It's translated from the Greek word Petros. Those are the Greek characteristics. And then Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. That's Petra. As you can see, it's the same word. It's used differently, different suffix on it, but it's the same root word, which means rock. In other words, Simon, Simon's father, Jonah, whose name was Jonah, he wanted to give his son a masculine name, a solid name, a name that just exuberated strength. So he named him Rock. Peter, Petros, as it's used as a name, but it means Petra, which is a, a noun, a rock, a stone. So Jesus is using a play on words here. He's just like preachers today. He's trying to find some unique, quirky way to get your attention so you'll retain what was just said. Jesus did that. Your name is Peter. Your parents gave you that name. And upon this rock, I will build my church. He's not talking about he's going to build his church on Peter. Oh, God help us if he was expecting Peter to build his church. Peter was a mess, just like us. Wasn't any different. The fifth thing I want us to see is he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Plural. There's more than one key. Because there's more than one problem. And we need keys to get out of the problem, to open the gate, to get through. God's, God is going to give to Peter the keys of the kingdom so that the world around him will change. I want some of those keys. I want to be able to be an instrument that God can work through to bring a change in people's lives. I don't just want to come to church and have a social time on Sunday morning. I want it to go much deeper than that. I want God to speak me revelation, speak to me revelation insights so I can pass it to you. There's another word for a key in our modern terminology. It's called a password or a passcode. You put passwords into, into computer systems so that nobody else can get in. But you better write your password down. Because if you don't remember it, you can't get in. Even if you remember it, but you mistype it, it won't let you in. I saw some smiles on that one. Here's the sixth thing we learned from the context. These are spiritual keys. Because he says the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
And, and the gates of hell is a spiritual thing. So God wants us to be winners. Amen? Amen. And he provides these keys. There's this story recorded in the Bible of this woman who had a health issue. She was hemorrhaging, passing blood, could not stop it, couldn't control it. She went to all the doctors around, and they all had a doctor's fee. And she, was, she paid all the doctors till she didn't have any money left. And she got no better. She had the same problem she had to start with. She's in trouble. No solution. Nowhere to go. But she, she heard that Jesus was passing by. And this thought came to her mind. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole again. She didn't really know where Jesus was going, but she knew where Jesus had been. So she came around behind him, came up through the crowd, because there was always crowds around him, worked her way up through there until she got close to him, reached down and touched the hem of his garment. And the minute she did that, she was healed. And Jesus didn't give her a bill. It was free. She was healed at that moment. And Jesus knew it, and she knew it. Now, how did she know to touch the hem of his garment would make her well? Nobody had ever done that before. It's not recorded anywhere in the Bible. It's never happened again as far as we know. It was a one-time thing. How did she know to do that? Nobody's got an answer. But she got that idea from someplace it was a key to the kingdom. If she would do what was put in her mind, that she would see the result. That's, that's how keys of the kingdom work. Another time, some religious people were criticizing Peter and the disciples because they weren't paying the temple tax. Everybody should pay their fair share into the temple tax. God had declared it in the Old Testament. That's how they financed the, the religious system they had in this Roman-occupied territory of Israel. And the people were criticizing them because Jesus and his disciples wouldn't pay the temple tax. So Peter went into where Jesus was, and he said, Jesus, they're out there, they're, they're saying bad things about us because we don't pay the temple tax. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what, Peter, you're a fisherman. I want you to take your hook, your line. I want you to go down to the lake and drop your hook in. And the first fish you catch, look in its mouth. You'll find a coin. Take that coin and go pay the temple tax for you and me. So Peter went fishing, caught the fish, the coin in its mouth, went and paid the debt. Now, I suppose that's a good excuse for some of you guys to take off a day next week and go fishing. But it won't work for you. It's never worked for anybody since then. It was a one-time deal. It was a key to the kingdom. And I think sometimes us Christians spend so much time trying to learn what other people did that got a breakthrough so we can do what they did and see the breakthrough. And we get frustrated because it doesn't work for us. It's because that key doesn't work in that problem. You have to discover a brand new key. 
And this is what we're all doing with our spiritual lives. We're searching out keys. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to know that I didn't know before? We're constantly trying to find out what's the key to my situation. I believe if when we get a bad news report from the doctor, if the first thing we did is sit down and say, Lord, this is the only body I've got to function in. I want to serve you and I'm limited to this body. I need this body to be healed to be able to do what you've called me to do. I believe God will show us the keys. Change this. Do that. I think for a lot of us, our health issues are simple solutions. We get, our, we get our bodies so worn down by not following the keys that we get such bad shape, we can't get an answer. I believe God wants to heal us and give us keys. He wants to give us keys to relationship problems. He wants to give us keys to financial problems. He wants to give us keys on how to deal with my, with my knothead supervisor. He's going to show us that if we'll pay attention. He's going to give us a key to unlock these, these situations. So... That said, let's get into the three things that I want to say about what the church is here from this story. Number one, the church is a called out assembly. That's really what that word means. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Well, which church is his church? We talking about a denomination? We talking about a building? We talking about an organization? What are we talking about? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church upon this, this statement of faith you just made. When somebody makes a declaration of faith like that, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. When we speak that out, when we act it out, express it, something happens in the spiritual realm. The Greek word translated church here might surprise us because it's, it's a compound word. It's, it's the, the word ekklesia. It's the Greek word ekklesia. It's a compound word. The first word ek means out from. The second word kaleo means to call. So the church is called out from. We kind of add the assembly because we need to do something together. But really, what the church is supposed to be is called out. We're supposed to get out of the world system. The world system that's greedy. The world system that's selfish. The world system that's dog-eat-dog and everybody trying to succeed and, and, and make great achievements. We're called out of that called out of the world that's immoral, called out of the world that has no godly values. We're called out of that. And the problem you and I have, all of us in this room have, is we got one foot in the spiritual kingdom and the other one's still here. I'm called out of here. Now how do I do that when I've got to work with a bunch of ungodly people? How do I not keep one foot over there? How do I do that? That's the problem with us. We got one foot here and one foot there, and God's calling us out. He wants us to be so wrapped around God and what God is doing in us and God's purpose through us that we don't let anything else affect us. 
And as long as I have one foot out there in the world, things are always affecting me, giving me problems. Somebody say amen. amen. The emphasis in the definition of church is called out from. That's the definition, much more than an assembly. So we need to keep that. Because God's looking for a holy church. Holy means separated for a, for a, a spiritual purpose. God's interested in holiness in our lives. He wants people who don't fit in. Called out people will stand out. They will be different. They won't just go with the flow. People will see something different in called out people that they want to connect with. God, help us to be called out and understand what that means. Here's the second thing I want us to see about the church. The church is under construction. Under construction means it's not done yet. Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say to Peter, I have just built my church on your confession. He said, I'm building it. And it's not done. It's kind of like that, uh, well, it's not kind of like it, but I'll use it as an illustration. It's kind of like that Winchester mansion. You heard about that? This lady had the superstition that she'd live as long as she kept building onto her house. So she kept adding, 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 and some, some doors you went to, you opened them up, and there was, there was a, a wall or nothing. She just, because she felt driven to keep building and building and building. This is what Jesus is doing on the positive side. He's constantly building and building and building. And as soon as we go to a funeral of some great saint that did great things for God, we understand that God is starting a whole new generation of people who are going to do great things for God. It's ongoing. I got a few years left, but I plan on serving God with the few years I have. And there's a whole lot of you don't have nearly as much gray hair as I do that you got a lot longer to serve God. Amen. And every now and then, somebody brings in a baby. And I want to say, hallelujah, there's the next generation. Now I can go. Because generation is always moving on because he's building his church ongoing. I will build it. And if he is building it, he's not building it on Peter because Peter's dead and gone. He's building it to us because we are the called out. We are the ones he's working on. You are predestined, the Bible says, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. In other words, God has set things in motion that you have to go through, and some of them are painful. God's taken us through these things because he's not, he's not happy with you the way you are. He's going to convert you to the image of Jesus Christ. Wow, I'm not anywhere near yet. And because the church is under construction, it, and it's about souls, that's why we come together. That's why we interact. That's why participating in group settings where we can disciple one another is so crucially important. To be in a group setting where there's somebody who's been where I haven't been yet teaches me. 
And to be with people who haven't been where I am yet teaches them. And you don't get that sitting home watching some Christian preacher on TV. You get that interacting with the saints of God, rubbing shoulders with people who are real, have the same kind of problems you do, have been through the same kind of situations you do. That's why we have this group semester thing that we do. And, and a couple of times a year we try to push it. It's, it's like an on-ramp for people to get involved someplace with people. And the leaders aren't necessarily people more spiritual than you are. They're just willing to set a format so that people can go and become a part of those groups. Um, so I encourage you to look at, the, look at the group's catalog, look through that, see what strikes your fancy that you think would help you, and be a part somewhere. I want to mention two particular groups. One is the Discover New Hope class. Uh, we do this each time because it's like an orientation to our church. What sets our church apart? What, what, what are our beliefs? How do we do things? And how can you get more connected with our church? So that's what it is. It's just four weeks long. And uh, I, would in, I would really hope some people would sign up for the Discover New Hope class and take that next step. It's a requirement for membership, and I would encourage everybody that says, this is my church, would take that step for membership. The other group that I want to mention is, you may not know this, but our, our church uh, has a Boy Scout troop and a Cub Scout pack. And I, I know some of this stuff you probably heard about Boy Scouts of America, but we think it's still a good system, and we, we monitor that. We, we think it's a great mentoring system for young boys to become men, to teach them responsibility, teamwork, working together. Um, so we have a Boy Scout and a Cub Scout pack. Uh, and just this last, just recently, uh, our Cub Master for the younger boys, the Cub Scouts, Leroy um, Shaiwi, did I pronounce that right? Shaiwi. Uh, he's our Cub Master. He got the Cub Master of the Year Award from the whole Pokagon District. So I, I think that's a praise the Lord. And also, uh, Pokagon District gave uh, an award for the most involved organizational rep. Every scout, has to, every scout troop has to be under an organization, and our church is the organization. So the most involved organizational rep uh, for the scouts in Pokagon District was Pastor Todd Helmkamp. So, good job. Involved. Yeah. So, the church is under construction. It's growing. I think if we're going to do something, we ought to do it well. Not perfect, because we're not perfect. So, we can't do it perfect, but we ought to do it well. Here's the third thing I want us to see about the church. The church cannot fail. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, some nut can, can bring a bomb in here and blow the building up and the whole thing collapse, but the church hasn't failed. Churches all the time split and divide and get in quarrels and go different directions and there's not enough money, so they got to demolish the building or tear it down or convert it over into, into something else. But the church never fails because the church not a building. The church is not an organization. The church doesn't fit into one century and not another. The church is people who are called out of an ungodly world to be separate from the ungodly world. So Jesus is building his church, ongoing thing. 
ongoing. He's building it. <clears throat> and we are it. So how does he build us? Through pressures, disappointments, crises, rejection. That's how he builds his church. There is a difference between a talent and maturity. Some people are multi-talented, amazing talent. You see them in Hollywood. You see them in Washington. They got amazing talent, but no maturity. How do you know if they're mature or not? You just poke them and see what happens. <laughs> mature people know who they are. They know where they fit. And no matter what you say or what you do, it doesn't rock their boat because they know where they fit. Immature people are always afraid you're going to take something away from them. And you poke them, they explode like a junior hire. Try to get everybody over on their side so they feel a little more, a little more secure. God is developing each of us, and he does it by poking us. I shared that last night, and a couple people turned to each other and started poking. Sometimes we do the poking. I'm sorry, but sometimes I do the poking. I step on toes. I, I, I ask you to do something you don't want to do. But God is trying to develop us and mature us by knowing who we are. The greatest example of knowing who you are is Jesus Christ. When they took him to the cross and they drove those nails through his wrist and hoisted him up in that sun just to watch him die. Now that would tick me off. But Jesus looked down at him and I can almost see a smile on his face as he says, Father, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. Can you do that? If somebody in the workplace pokes you, can you smile and say, God bless you? Can you? When somebody steals something from you, can you give them something else? That's the example of maturity. You have to be comfortable with who you are and that what, where God has placed you and what God is doing in you. Then you never have to be afraid of somebody taking it away. If God gave it to you, it's yours. Somebody say amen. amen. So Jesus took these keys, powerful keys, and he said, I'm going to give them to you, Peter, because of that confession. Peter the blunderer, who stuck his foot in his mouth again and again. Peter, who just just in a couple days is going to deny Jesus three times. What kind of maturity is that? He's not mature. Jesus gave him the keys. You see, Jesus isn't waiting for, waiting for you to become completely constructed to give you the power of God. He wants to give you the power of God right now. Amen. And he knows you don't have the maturity to deal very well with it. He knows that. But he still trusts us with the keys. That is faith. God's got a lot of faith in you. A lot of faith in me. Did you know God has faith in you? I don't even have faith in me. 
But God has planted a seed inside of each of us. It's the seed of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's planted that in each of us. And He expects a seed He plants to grow. And quite frankly, the only way a good crop grows is if you put some fertilizer on it. You know where fertilizer comes from. God will put a load of fertilizer on us because He expects of a result. He expects a crop, producing a crop. This, uh, <clears throat> earlier this winter, I had to get in my shed. I have a shed outside that I have to keep locked with a padlock because I don't trust everybody. It's a combination lock on it. And I went out there to get in the shed to get something out on my day off, and I turned the tumblers to the right combination, went to open it like I always have for the last 20 years, and it wouldn't come open. I jerked on it a while, so I went through that combination again. Maybe I didn't get it quite right. Still wouldn't come open. So then I got confused. Well, am I starting the wrong direction? And the more I thought about it, the more confused I got about how do I start with this combination lock? And no matter which way I tried it, I couldn't get that lock to let go. So. I went in the house where I keep this book with all the passwords. How many have a book like that? You're not very smart if you don't have your passwords written down someplace. For the combination, well, that lock was in there, and I looked it up, and there it is. That's exactly what I've been doing. I've been doing it right, starting the right direction. I went out there and went through it one more time and really yanked on it. wouldn't come open. So I thought, okay, I went in the house to get some graphite squirt in there, which I couldn't find. I ended up having to settle for WD-40. So I got this WD-40. You know what that is? It's penetrating oil. I sprayed down in there. It was, it was too warm of a day, and the sun was shining on it, so I knew it wasn't froze up. So I sprayed some WD-40 down in there. Worked those tumblers a couple times. Still wouldn't come open. Now I'm getting exasperated. So I went in my garage and I got a mallet. <laughs> I brought that thing back out, did the combination real carefully one last time, and I gave it a whack, and it came right open. <laughs> so I put a little bit more WD-40 in there, and I worked that thing, I locked it, unlocked it, worked it back and forth, got, every, all, got it working through all the parts there. And as I was preparing for this message about the keys to the kingdom, I was standing in my house looking out the window, looking at that shed, and my memory came back to me trying to get that combination open. And I thought to myself, that's the solution. That's exactly what, what keys do. Sometimes to get that thing open, you've got to give it a squirt of oil. You know the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you got to give it a whack. If God wants to free me up, if I'm going to find a way to get breakthroughs through these, bond, these areas of bondage, if I'm going to find answers, I've got to give it a squirt of oil and a whack. And God knows how to whack us. How many know what a whack is from God? Wake us up. And so I tell that story because it was kind of a visual for me of finding the keys to the kingdom, 
for each situation because we have different kinds of locks, different kinds of problems. We have to have different kinds of keys. And Jesus just gave the keys to Peter based on his confession. And I believe those keys are available not just to Peter, but to anybody who says, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you believe that, that's your declaration of faith. You speak it out. You tell somebody what you believe. And I believe it empowers us. We have the keys available. And all we have to do is press in. Press in. He'll show us the keys. He'll whisper things in our ears. He'll give us ideas on what to do. And it will be the key for that particular lock. Of course, the next lock's going to need a different key. So we keep on pressing in. Let's stand together. So I believe what the Lord wants us to do today is pray for people who feel like there's an area of their life that's bound up. That is, there's no breakthrough. Like they're kind of stuck right there. I believe God wants to reveal a key. God wants to unlock that. God wants to lose something so that breakthroughs can come. So I want to I open this altar up. I want to pray for people who can say, I'm one of those that have this area in my life bound up and I need something to break free. If that's you, would you come to this altar? We want to pray for you. We want to see breakthroughs. Nobody's going to ask you what that is. Might be health, might be finances, might be a relationship. Doesn't mean you did anything wrong. You're just aware there's a blockage. There's a bondage. Now, I know that standing out there are people who didn't come up here, but you know what it is to have an area of your life bound up in blockage and you've discovered the key and God's blessed you and has opened it up. Would you come up and stand behind these folks so we have people supporting them, praying for them? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're loved. You're not alone. You're not alone in this. Heavenly Father, I'm going to pray right now for my brothers and sisters in my spiritual family who have come to this altar acknowledging, acknowledging you and who you are. And Father, as I look across here, every one of these people I know have accepted you as their Savior. They're all believers. But Father, they see an area of their life that's in bondage. And we speak to this bondage right now that it has got to let go in Jesus' name. Father, we apply the keys of the kingdom we've just talked about that you've given to us. Whatever this problem, whatever this difficulty, whatever is locked up, stopped up, we pray that that would come open, be blasted wide open right now in the name of Jesus. You'd bring newness, you'd bring freshness, Father. Where the door is closed, we pray this key is going to work and open it wide open. We pray for a loosing, God, of your spirit, re renewing power. And Father, I also pray, I just feel impressed that, that some, someone isn't, they don't have the problem, they need something loose, they need something bound up. There's something, an addiction, a problem, something uh, that, that 
they need to stop. This is there, an open door has been left open and something in the spirit has crept through and we're just praying right now, God, that you're going to bring deliverance. Deliverance. Loosing and binding by the power of heaven. By the power that you have. In heaven, everything goes the way you want, God. And we're going to pray that right now these keys are going to work your way in each of these lives. Because we speak it in Jesus' name. I feel impressed in my spirit that someone, and I don't know if it's one of you at the altar, but I just feel, I just want to say it. I feel like God said somebody has crossed a line. And you got to get back across that line. You can't have his blessing the, with, with the line you crossed. you got to go back. you got to go back to square one and start over. He wants to bless you. So, Father, just bring renewal, bring life and hope to each one. We pray in Jesus' glorious name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God is good, and God loves you. Go with God. He loves you.